All right. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday morning on this January 13th, 1919. 2024? 2024. <laughs> Thought I was a t- felt, felt like I was back in the 90s again <laughs> when I was a teenager. Wake up on Saturday morning and watch Transformers, Optimus Prime. They're more than meets the eye. Heroes in disguise. So, welcome to Black and White Theology Podcast. As you can tell, I am by myself again today. Well, I'm here, Doug. Uh, Andrew's here. That's true. That's true. Thank you for being here, Andrew, on this uh, early Saturday morning. But, uh, yeah, the plan today, if you saw Liz's post yesterday, I think she put out a post that we were going to be podcasting today with Doug and Ron. Uh, Ron was supposed to be here. We were supposed to complete our discussion on mental illness and go through that and get Ron back on the podcast. As you can see, he is not here. But for good reason. Uh, Ron woke up with a tummy ache, a belly ache. His stomach hurts. (laughs) And uh, so he came down with something that kept him from being able to be here today. So that means... You're stuck with just me this morning, and so I had to pivot uh, what that means, you know, in the uh, business world is when something you had planned is going to happen, and then it changes. You have to pivot to something else, but we're not in the business world. We're in the church world, and so (laughs) I am pivoting to a different topic this morning. So when I found out Ron wasn't going to be able to be here, I'm thinking to myself, okay, what is it that uh, I've been wanting to talk about? There's a lot of things, uh, and uh, there's one in particular. And so, I, honestly, just between us, I'm not I'm not sure, Andrew, how the podcast is going to go this morning. Uh, this is a uh, kind of not really. I'm kind of just I'm kind of just winging it a little bit. I ain't gonna lie, you know, <laughs> with Ron's you know sickness and wanting to get a podcast out. Uh, uh, there's some there's some concerns I've been having with regards to it is kind of a parenting issue I want to talk about today, but it's more more than just parents. So if you're not a parent, don't shut it shut it off. Tune me out. There there are issues with how the church is raising up the next generation and the dangers of the culture's efforts to try to indoctrinate our kids with their pagan ideologies. And so if you have been paying attention to anything that's going on in culture, you can tell and see that um, Western culture in particular, and it's not even just Western culture, but Western culture in particular is, is essentially crumbling. And uh, the progressive left uh, liberal mindset calls that progress. The conservative Christian biblical mindset um, calls that the exact opposite. We're heading toward a road and down a road culturally that is devoid of, of, of spiritual biblical truth. Our culture is being inundated with far-left, liberal, ultimately um, anti-God, anti-biblical theology, really, 
that uh, is invading not just not just our institutions, I and mean, we can talk about public schools and things like that. I'm not even wanting to go down that road. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a little bit of a cough. See, I, I get sick, but I still come in, you know what I mean? But So you might have to um, put up with my cough a little bit this morning. But the, the issue that I want to talk about um, kind of centers around uh, the media that we allow ourselves and our kids to take in and how through the media that we consume, how that's really uh, affecting how we, how we think, how we live, how we approach things. And so there is at our fingertips, as you know, more to be consumed through visual uh, screen time, through the media, obviously, than ever before in human history, and it's not even close. So, Andrew, you are how old? I'm 24. 24, okay. Tur- turning 25 All right, so, so you were born, what year were you born? 99. 1999. Okay, so I graduated high school in 97, so two years. <laughs> so when I was a, a sophomore in college, Andrew was born. And, uh, excuse me, I'm a little stuffed up. No, you're good. You're All good. Right. Uh, and so when I was a kid... If you wanted, as I alluded to earlier, if you wanted to watch cartoons, you had to really wait till Saturday morning to, to watch the cartoons, right? So it was like Monday through uh, Friday. There, there wasn't a lot of like, you know, kids programming, but they knew that kids were home from school on Saturday morning. So Saturday morning was cartoon time. I don't know what it was like for you growing up, Andrew, with, with you know, in the in the 2000s but once the internet came around and youtube really took off and then streaming took off i know that my kids uh grew up with like disney channel nickelodeon and those were networks geared for kids primarily now they had they had like nickelodeon when i was kind of growing up but my parents never had cable we never paid for cable and so I didn't grow up with, you know, the the networks that were specifically designed just for kids at like, you know, 24-7 kids programming. So predominantly, even when I was in elementary school, it was like, I remember 5 a.m. waking up, cartoons to like 10 a.m. And that's what we did. And then Friday night, when I became a teenager, was TGIF. You don't know TGIF, do you, Andrew? No, I Thank goodness yeah, oh, it's, yeah. it's Friday. Friday. Yeah. It's Friday night. The mood is right. Going to have some fun. Show you how it's done. T-G-I-F. And so that was the sitcoms, right? That was Full House, Step by Step. Uh, what was the other one? Um, Steve Urkel, uh, Family Matters, uh, Boy Meets World. Those were, the, uh, those were the programs. But here's the thing, and I was thinking about this the other night, because I, I can go on a streaming app right now. And, and and I can watch all of those old Friday night sitcoms, you know, and so Ella and I are watching through Full House and uh, Family Matters and Steve Urkel. And, and so we can sit down and watch, you know, a, a couple episodes, two, even two, three episodes. Uh, people binge watch stuff now where they just sit down and watch an entire season of something. And so it's a different world that we grew up in. I remember saying to my daughter Ella as we were watching Full House, that, like, man, we used to have to wait every week to watch a new episode and then when the season ended, we had to wait for the next season to come out. 
And now we just go from one episode to another, to the next season, to the next season, all of that stuff's online. And so there's, there's so much at our fingertips. And so when streaming came along and then YouTube really took off, everybody put their content online. And then people that wouldn't be able to put their content on like networks and cable networks, uh, they found an avenue through YouTube and through the internet to be able to produce their stuff. And so a lot of people have been a success, you know, content creators uh, creating uh, media and uh, children's programming, uh, just strictly streaming on YouTube and very successful. And so as my, as I look at my kids and as they were growing up, it became very easy at times to just give them a tablet and say, watch something and let the tablet kind of raise my kids. Uh, and, and, and I'm guilty of that growing up, uh, or my kids growing up, just, just like, man, I just want to here, take this, you know? And so you just sit on a tablet and you watch something and you just consume and you consume and you consume. And so a lot of kids now, by the time they're four or five years old, I mean, they can zip through a tablet and and find whatever they want um, in, in a way that a lot of older people have no idea. And they're just they're just kind of born with it in their hands, like, hey, you know, you're sitting there. I know, I know if you're a parent, we've all been there. Hey, Dad, can I have your phone? Dad, can I have your phone? You know, you're at you're at an event or you're out and about. Uh, I was at a soccer game for watching my boys play last night. My daughter's, hey, Dad, can I have your phone? You know, you slip her your phone. It's like, hey, I want to watch the game, and uh, she's not interested. And so here, have this, have this, have a phone, have a phone, have a tablet, have a tablet. Watch, watch, consume, 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 consume. And so our kids are consuming more videos, media information than ever before. The other thing I've noticed as I've been raising my kids is I'll be like, hey, let's watch a movie, you know, Friday night, whatever, let's, let's watch a movie, we'll turn on a movie. And, and a lot of my kids struggle watching like a two-hour movie. Why? Because they're used to just consuming, I mean, a YouTube short is what, a couple minutes at most? Yeah. Uh, and so it's just like you move from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. So to sit down and, and appreciate a story that has intrigue and dialogue and um, builds and has twists and, and to appreciate the story and, 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 and the art of, of a good story that's being told uh, is, is difficult for them to even appreciate right now. I tell them this. I say, man, you guys can't even sit down and watch a movie and you know get into it because sometimes it takes maybe half an hour to get into a good story. And once it grips you, it grips you. And then you, you want to you know, either finish it through the book or finish it you know, with the movie, and when you're just geared toward 30 seconds here, 30 seconds here, when you are allowing the algorithm to just feed you, feed you, feed you, what's happening is it's beginning to shape you. And the media companies know this. They know that, that we, just, we can get that hit of dopamine to our brain, and then we move on to the next, and then we move on to the next, and then we move on to the next, and we are just feeding this machine to the point where um, we are the product that is being sold. Our children, what they watch, what they consume, your children are the product that are being sold to companies for advertising, um, to grasp, to grab their, their minds, to grab their attention. And then, and this is, this is really where I want to go today, to shape them. And so I think we have to take very, very seriously the reality that there's a lot of great stuff out there, but there's also a lot of stuff that looks good but 
at the end of the day, is 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 shaping our children in a way that is anti-God, anti-biblical, and an utterly pagan. And so, I I want to kind of want to go down that road, and I kind of want to talk about the efforts that the culture is making to shape our kids, to shape the next generation, and quite frankly, shaping our minds. And a lot of it comes down to to this, and this can be a tool for for great good. I mean, what we're doing right now, hopefully, is is a tool for for good, right? To to help instruct and, and give warnings and give teaching and give insights into uh, things that relate to how we live our lives as Christians in this culture. But man, there, there's a lot out there that is, yeah, overtly um, immoral. But what about that stuff that on the surface isn't like overtly pagan or immoral or ungodly? You know, what about the kids' programming out there that seems innocent? Well, if we're not paying attention, as we disciple the next generation, if we're not paying attention, we can give our kids, we can give the next generation something that seems innocent, but ultimately shapes them in a way that turns them away from truth. Uh, I've got a video here, and like I said, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how long I'm going to be able to take this video, Andrew. Once you see it, you'll know. But I, w- I want to I want to give you a, a little bit of a insight on what's being. I don't even know that it's subtle anymore. It used to be more subtle than it is. This is just overtly um, anti-biblical, secular humanism being pumped into our kids' minds. And it's done in a way that seems very innocent, but is, but is ultimately demonic, I think. And, and the reason I say that is because it goes completely against biblical truth. So if you're not familiar with some of these programs, these, this, what I'm about to show you, the video I'm about to show you as I set this up, is uh, just normal kids programming that any kid can click on YouTube uh, and, and, and watch, okay? And there, one of the biggest ones is a, is a YouTube channel called Cocomelon. You're familiar with the Cocomelon, Andrew? Yeah, I am familiar yeah, with that. Yeah. I don't get into that. No, you're not into no. the Cocomelon. <laughs> um, and uh, and that's, a, that's a YouTube. I think Netflix is running Cocomelon stuff right now, and it's geared for preschool kids. And it used to be, I remember when my kids were growing up preschool, it was uh, Blue's Clues, this uh, blue dog that, you know, had to find the clues. And Dora the Explorer, hola, <laughs> boots, you know, and we have to find the secret, you know, treasure map. And, you know, the map would jump out of her, you know, and, and then they would go on this adventure. And, uh, but, but this, is, this is where we're at today. Here, um, check out this video and... Uh, then we'll talk about it. Thing that we know about you, you love to get up and dance. How about you break out those moves for your two biggest fans? We found Jared, poor lad, and this be Winnie. Hey there, I am the great Winifred. She, her, actor extraordinaire. There, meet new crew! This is awesome! Our crew also has a new addition, Pete Box. They use 
them pronouns, and they pick an exceptionally good quiche. <laughs> Yar, well, Nutbox, I use they them pronouns as well. Can you switch? Uh... Nightshade's pronouns are they them. He or she just doesn't fit who I am. All right, shut her down. That's it. Uh, that is just normal. Well, that's not normal. Not <laughs> true. That is what is considered normal children's programming today. And as you can see, the mindset of the secular humanistic worldview. And like I said, it is not even, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. It's just overtly pushed. Now, it's done in like this, this happy way that just, if you're, if you're not discerning, and by the way, what three, four, five-year-old children are able to discern? And so the mindset that is trying to be pushed into the minds of our kids is you just be you. And that is the highest good that you can achieve, ultimately, is just living out your true, authentic self. So, Cocomelon, you've, you've got a homosexual couple raising a child, and, you know, they're encouraging him to, you know, Cocomelon's encouraging cross-dressing and gender-bending and confusion, obviously, of, of gender, and uh, the whole gender ideology mindset is being just put into. So you're, they're, they're singing this song, you just gotta be you. Just be me? Really? I can just be me? Then the, the whole pronoun no, nonsense and, and, and the madness of the pronouns. You know, my pronouns are this. My pronouns are this. You know, you got these three bears. I don't know. I don't know what that show was with the pirates and the bird and the the the, I, and the, the three bears. And I they're like, oh, never seen it. We got a we got a new friend and they're new, but they use they them pronouns. And then the bird's like, oh my goodness, I do too. And then it breaks my heart, Andrew. Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime has turned into. No, not like you. <laughs> not not you, Optimus. Right? Exactly. Not Optimus Prime. I mean, he was the biggest, baddest, like of them all, right? And uh, now you got Nightshade. That's just now. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know what goes on, um, or what went on. What was the planet the Transformers were from? Um, Something Tron, right? I forget the name. What was the name of their planet? I've seen all the movies. Yeah. Um, and uh, someone will someone will have to put in the comments what what are what the uh, the planet. But man, I, I don't know what's going on, you know, on uh, um, on their home planet. But uh, man, Nightshade started getting confused. But I didn't. I didn't know the see the robots, right? But. They're boy girl robots, so they got gender too. And now Nightshade's like, man, I'm just I'm just non-binary. And 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 so the conversation Nightshade's having there with the little girl who's also non-binary is, man, I we have a safe place and I can be safe talking to you. 
and in the moment, like, you're like, well, that feels good. Like, she has good for her. She has a safe place. We're all about safe spaces and safe places to talk about uh, who we feel like we should be or who we want to be. And so the idolatry of our current culture is the idolatry of self. That we would worship ourselves. That we decide who we are. That we decide what we are. That we take the place of, of God and we decide, and as we live out our true authentic self, that is really the place of true freedom and true joy and true happiness. When we can finally free ourselves to live out what we truly feel about ourselves inside, then the culture says, then you are truly free. So it is all about you and your truth and what you feel to be true. And so we've, we've set aside objective truth. We've set aside reality, and what we've done is we've told people to create their own reality that they will live in, that they feel safe and comfortable in. The, the only problem with that is, it, is the culture selling our kids a bill of goods that actually doesn't produce any human flourishing. It doesn't produce true joy and true happiness. It may give a temporary sense of reprieve and, like, um, sense of calm. Like, okay, now I finally am me, so now there's freedom there. But I will tell you that that is a false sense of freedom. Because what happens is you actually become a slave to sin. The Apostle Paul talks about this clearly in the book of Romans. That outside of Christ, we are a slave to sin. We were, who are saved, once bound as slaves to sin, dead in our sin. And so those who think they are free are actually bound as slaves to their, their humanistic mindsets, really their, their idolatry, which is the, the worship of self and self-recognition of who they truly are, it is, at the end of the day, pagan idolatry. Uh, the, the Pharisees came to Jesus, and they, they wanted to test him, right? And they wanted to uh, kind of back him into a corner. And so what they did is they just said, hey, uh, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now, I'm not going to get into the whole divorce issue. That's a whole other podcast. But Jesus makes a very clear statement. This is Jesus, the God of the universe, God incarnate. Have you not read, right? And, and of course they had. They had read their Old Testament. That he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. So from the beginning, God said, I created man and woman. So you go back to Genesis, go back to the garden, we see that man and woman were created. So the idea of this non-binary uh, thing that I can, I, I, I'm neither male nor female, I'm non-binary, I'm they, them, zzm, whatever. There's, there's ultimately a number of genders that you can just pick and choose from. So ignore, ignore truth, ignore um, objective reality, and just decide for yourself what you are. 
And if you'll do that, the culture says, then you'll tr find true freedom and peace. And it just doesn't, it doesn't produce that. Not ultimately. Not long-term, it doesn't produce that. And I know this because Jesus told us where ultimate joy comes from. He actually preached about this on, on Christmas Eve. That ultimate joy comes in understanding who we are in relation to who God is. And that's not a, that's not a fun conversation to initially have because it starts out with, with our brokenness and our struggles. And my goal right now isn't to talk about those who struggle with uh, gender dysphoria. I actually want to talk about that uh, the next time we meet with Ron, because I do want to bring up the concept of gender dysphoria. Is that mental illness? And how has that changed? Um, and how have a psychologist changed the way they deal with people who are struggling with gender identity? So I get that there are people that have battles with gender identity as a, as a result of, of the fall, and, and that's a battle and a struggle that they have. So I get that point of this um, discussion is not to get into that. We will get into that um, next time, hopefully with Ron a little bit, uh, among other things, as we wrap up our discussion on mental illness. But really what I want to do is just kind of give a warning to us as parents, to us as disciple makers, to, to those of us who just consume media. The world and the flesh and the devil is after the minds of our kids, and they're after our minds as well. And I don't know that we're aware with how much damage is being done to us and to our kids by the sheer amount of media that is purely pagan that we're allowing to enter. And, and listen, I, I got to look at my own life too, because I wrestle with this. And I wrestle with, okay, how much do you allow in? How much, and, and what kind of, of media do you allow in? I think we have to be careful when we just throw our kids an iPad or a phone and just say, go to YouTube and have at it. We need to, I remember growing up, my wife, she was, she was admittedly, and I think moms are a little more conservative about this stuff than dads. It just seems to be the case. Like moms are like, what are they watching? What are they doing? Dad's like, I don't know, it's fine, it's fine. And admittedly, my wife is a little more cautious and concerned, and, and rightfully so. Uh, about the kids growing up. And so SpongeBob SquarePants was off limits for my kids. Um, and uh, I don't know if there was something funny going on between Squidward, or not Squidward, uh, uh, the star, Patrick Star and, and SpongeBob. They seem like just good friends, but I don't know. I, I, I've heard things uh, about, uh, you know, some of the the intentions that the writers might have had with their relationship. But it wasn't overt like you see in the programming today. And so, yeah, uh, SpongeBob was off limits. So I'm down there, and, and you know, the boys, hey, can we watch SpongeBob? I'm like, ah, yeah. Mom says no. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, you couldn't. And partially it's because um, uh, Squidward was just mean. You know, and, and, and he would tell SpongeBob he's an idiot and how stupid. And, and, and it's true, Squidward had some issues, and he had some anger issues that he needed to deal with. Uh, but I do remember <clears throat> my kids kind of... <clears throat> Kind of just being like, oh, why can't we watch this? I'm like, well, you know, he's he's not a great example there, and and so so there's that. But man, what we have to do today is 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 I I just want to caution if we're just giving unlimited access to letting YouTube raise our kids, and if we as parents 
and disciple makers, and not, not just parents, but those of us who impact our, our kids and our grandkids and um, the kids that we're teaching in school and the kids that we have in youth group. Like, if we're not, like, intentionally, like, engaging them in conversation about what's going on, about what they're seeing, about what they're hearing, because here's the reality. You can't, like, keep everything out uh, from their minds, right? Like, you can't just keep the culture, like, completely away from them. And, I, and here's the challenge. I know some parents try to do this. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep them in this bubble as much as I can, and I'm going to keep the culture from trying to touch them as much as I can. And I get that, okay? And every parent has to decide how much they're going to allow kind of the culture to to kind of impact or, or have an influence or at least touch the lives of their kids and, and, and how much they're going to try and shelter them and protect them from that. Uh, I do think, uh, just personal opinion here, there, there is a balance to that. Like, our, our kids need to know how to interact with what's going on in culture. Um, they need to be aware of what's happening. And so to completely and utterly shield them off from that, I, I wonder if sometimes that doesn't totally prepare them to be able to engage in, in the culture when they grow up and they get out there. I've seen I've seen it go both ways. I've seen kids who have been super sheltered, kind of when they get out there, be like, oh, my word, I didn't know all this was out here. This is amazing. They jump right in. Or they, um, they recoil away from it, and they never engage in a healthy way in the culture. Um, and so they just kind of, we kind of create this island. And so, man, that, that's, that can be a tough tension to, to wrestle with as parents, and I get that because I wrestle with that myself. Even as your kids then grow older, and, and, and then they have their own phone, and then they're in high school, and, you know, they, they start to make some of their own decisions. I know my, my own son, who's 18, going on 19 now, he's constantly telling me how he's 18 and how I shouldn't have to, um, he shouldn't have to be uh, subject to some of the rules and decisions that I have for him. And, and so we kind of battle that, as we all did when we were 18 years old with our parents. And, and so there's this tension between how much do I allow them to kind of uh, make some of these own decisions and... and, and Yet, if you're, if you're like us, and, and I'm sure most homes are, like, my wife comes in, it's like, why are we all on our devices? Why are we all on this? Why can't we spend time as a family together? Why can't we? And she's right. She's right. But what? it just becomes so easy just to sit down and put this in front of our face and let the culture just shape us or let the culture shape our kids. And so really what I'm doing today is I'm really calling us to an intentional discipleship of the next generation. We have to guard our own hearts and our own minds and what we consume. But we need to intentionally be after the hearts and the minds of, of the next generation as a church. And so this is a call not to just parents. This is a call to spiritual parents. Those of us who are, who are impacting and, and discipling the next generation, either through your children's ministries or through our teen ministries, young adult ministry, so there are times when maybe we're watching something, or the kids will bring up something that they've seen, and I'll try to engage with them and say, what do you think about that? What strikes you about that? Do you think that's right? Do you think that's wrong? Because if we don't have those conversations, and I'm of the opinion that the culture, you can't protect your kids from, from the pagan culture completely. But what you can do is you can give them the tools necessary to engage culture in a biblical way. I, I really do believe that. That as we live in culture, we don't, we don't separate ourselves and put ourselves on an island completely. But that, that you know, our kids interact with kids who, who don't know Christ. I, I, I think if, if we as parents uh, have 
intentional conversations with our kids, they can engage with kids that don't know Christ. Now, what age and, 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 and how much, again, you as parents have to figure that out. Uh, one of the decisions that my wife and I made when it was time for our kids and our oldest to start kindergarten, and now he's a senior, so this has been a while ago, was we made the decision to go public school, and we had a school district that we lived in that we still live in that was relatively conservative. I wouldn't say this across the board with every school district because, and this was before the the woke liberal progressive ideology really began to invade the public schools. But we made the decision, hey, we're comfortable putting our kids in this public school. And one of the reasons is, is we didn't want them to grow up in, in a kind of a fishbowl where they didn't know how to interact with general community. And so we wanted to be a part of the community that we lived in, and we did that. So our kids went through public school while they were in elementary school, and we did that as a means to build relationships with people, and we did, to allow our kids to engage in culture and yet still learn how to be a Christian in a, an environment that, that wasn't, you know, overtly Christian, had some Christians in it, but still wasn't a, a, a Christian environment. And so every every person has to figure this out. But then what happened is, is, is it began to become easier with media and devices to allow our kids once they, okay, they now they go to Christian school, and, and after COVID hit, we pulled our kids out of public school, went Christian school, and uh, just felt that that was the decision we needed to make for them. And then as our kids went into high school or middle school, they actually went into Christian school. So they're all in Christian school now and in, uh, in Faith Christian Academy and uh, doing well there. But what happened is, is this is the danger then, okay? Like my kid's at home school or my kid's Christian school, so they don't have those influences. Uh, and then I have them in church like I'm good. And then we give them one of these. And we say, have at it. And I'm not saying you never give your kid a phone. Maybe that's your maybe that's you and that's fine. Maybe you're like, man, I I've been struggling with this, battling this. Because my kid's on TikTok all the time. My kid's on YouTube. I challenged I teach Bible class at Faith Christian Academy. I challenged the kids. I said, one of the best things you can do and try it for a month. Delete all your social media, delete YouTube, get rid of it. One of the kids is like, yeah, but I use it to watch, like, preaching. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. well, if that's the case and you're using it for, you know, spiritual growth, and like I said, there's some amazing things. If you're using it to watch the Black and White Theology podcast, you know, then... There you go. There you go, right? But um, most aren't, right? And so I said, take a month, get rid of it. Fill your mind with truth. And think on the things that are lovely, just, pure, righteous, right? The things the Bible says, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, right? Think on these things. My own personal life, I've had to wrestle with that as well. Because it does affect us, it does affect our kids. And so we've got overt pagan ideologies in Cocomelon and the pirate show and even Transformers. And so when we have these shows that are, you know, pushing kids to cross-dress and question their gender and question how God created the world to operate, 
The question I want you to ask is, by what standard has God given for us to live? And it's his law. That is the standard by which we live our lives. Now, we wrestle here, you know, with our ministry, with the two distinctions between law and gospel. Law says do, gospel says done. And so what we do is we, we proclaim the law, and the law pushes us to Christ. So, so the law, first of all, says you are broken. So when Cocomelon and says, you know, just be you, the law looks at you and says, that you, that Cocomelon is telling you to be, that you is broken and sinful and under the wrath of a just and a holy God. That is the real you. And so as Christians, we say, no, 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 no. We, we do the exact opposite. Don't, don't embrace the you and the authentic version of you because you are utterly broken. You're not holy and you're not good enough. And the law shows you that. Shows us that when we have wrong sexual desires, that it's adultery. That it goes against the created order. So God says through his holy law, this is how I've designed the world to operate. And then what we do through our own lust and our own desires is we change that. We ignore that. We blaspheme a holy God. And then we, and then, then we, we find that that doesn't actually produce any joy. It actually produces the judgment of God. And so the, the most loving thing we can do is not just provide a safe space where people can be their true authentic selves. We need to provide a safe space where we can tell people, tell our kids, you, you're broken. And the law has shown you that. And when we accept our brokenness, whether it's our lust or, or the result of the curse of sin, uh, just creating within us confusion. Like, yeah, some of these kids are confused. Yes. And it blows my mind that we are telling kids that they are mature enough to make a decision like what gender they should be. You're telling them, God doesn't play a role in your life. You are the God of your life. You decide. And so what we do is we look at Scripture and we say, there's a God outside of ourselves, and He has created the world to work and operate in a way that He has designed for His glory, and, and, and here's what the world doesn't believe, for your good. And so the most loving thing we can do is guide our kids and, 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 and show them, that here's what the law says that you are. You're sinful and you're broken, and then we push them to Christ and we proclaim the good news that in Christ we have righteousness that covers our shame and our sin and our guilt, right? We have eternal life, we have forgiveness, we have hope. Jesus says, I came that you might have a life and you might have it to the fullest. And that doesn't come unless we recognize who we are, unless our kids recognize their brokenness, unless we reject our sin, we reject this is what repentance is. The Christian idea of repentance goes completely against the idea of accept yourself and live out your true authentic self, because I, repentance says, this is who I am, and I turn from sin, and I turn from my own righteousness, and I embrace something else that is better, that is good, that is right. I am broken, I am sinful, and I embrace this. And so 
what we do is, is, is we guide our kids in that. So that, so that when they, and it's not just telling them, oh, you know, uh, adultery is wrong, homosexuality is wrong. Um, you feel like you're a girl, but you're actually a boy, right? And, and so you're going to, it goes beyond just all of that. So that when they encounter this type of, this type of teaching, this type of indoctrination, they're able to say, hold on a second. That doesn't, that's not what God said. When they maybe, maybe battle gender identity, rather than looking inward, they begin to look upward. God, did you create me? Did you form me in my mother's womb? Did you have a sovereign plan for me from the foundation of the world? And as such, what is your purpose and your plan for me? The way that you created me. Did you make a mistake or not? And a God who does not make mistakes, then we begin to accept how, not who we are, we begin to accept how he created us and what he has designed for us and what he wants for us. And so we're going to fight against this. We are going to wage war against this mentality. And so as I wrap things up today, um, a couple things. Uh, Coca melon. We we've just got to stop with the Coca melon. I mean, no parent. I'm just. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how anyone can let their kid watch Coca melon at all. So you're like, I don't even know what that is. If you don't know what it is, I guarantee your kids do. I was playing some songs at soccer camp this past summer, and I was I just searched kids songs on YouTube because we have elementary kids up there. So while they're training and practicing, I was playing some kids songs. Every single kid, hey, you're playing Coca Melon. Why are you playing Coca Melon? You're playing. I'm like, what is Coca Melon? I didn't know what it was. Every single one of those kids on that field knew what it was. It's one of the most popular YouTube channels on the internet. And so uh, that is just annoying, right? Like we've just got, uh, it's, just, it's just bad and it's annoying and it's just got to stop, okay? All right, so uh, let, let, can, can we be done with Cocomelon, all right? Can we just say no to Cocomelon? Uh, Transformers, I, I mean, I'm done with you, Prime. I'm done with Optimus. I think right now I could, I could take on that version of Optimus Prime. <laughs> He's just weak. He doesn't... <laughs> He doesn't stand for truth. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, parents are going to be like, well, wh- what's the alternative? And, and there, I think there are some alternatives. I'm, I'm not going to go into some of those right now. I think there's some good conservative um, kind of Christian programming that, that's trying to, to come out there. Um, I know on Right Now Media, uh, which you can go to our website and sign up for a free account for Right Now Media, there's an entire kids section there that Right Now Media is producing that's uh, that's good and um, wholesome and, and from a biblical worldview. So check out Right Now Media. Uh, there's some other, maybe not necessarily Christian, but just conservative, you know, programming out there that's going to help our kids. And uh, at the end of the day, I'll end with this: It's up to us, parents. First, be intentional. This Sunday, I'm going to uh, tomorrow be preaching a sermon with regards to our core values and our core value of connect, it's intentional, relational discipleship, an intentional pursuit of people. What I have found, if we are not intentional with discipling people, discipleship will happen by the culture. 
if we're not intentional with our kids, don't be surprised when the culture disciples your children and not you. I was a youth pastor for 12 years, and I had parents come to me after the kids graduated or getting ready to graduate saying, Doug, my kid doesn't want to walk with God. He doesn't want to you know, go to church anymore. He doesn't want to uh, he doesn't have a desire to, to read the Bible or anything. Like, can, what, what, should, what can you do? I'm like, I, I don't know. There's nothing I can do right now. And, 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 and those were hard conversations because I had to look at parents and say, for, for 18 years, you allowed culture to disciple your kids. And so what we want to do is we want to be intentional with the next generation. And that's really the heartbeat of what I wanted to say this morning that we, we've got to be careful, we've got to be intentional, we've got to have conversations, we've got to uh, spend time with our kids, right? Spend time doing stuff with them. Pull the tablet, pull the phone out of their hands. Um, there may be a time and a place for that. I, I get it, especially in the winter months, right? It can be easy just to... And, and listen, I'm saying this to myself, too, and my wife's going to look at me and be like, yeah, I told you, right? Because we get lazy, and it's easy to be lazy with regards to this. So as we enter 2024, which really this is the uh, first podcast I didn't realize of the new year, right? 2024, episode 62. Let's, uh, let's be intentional and uh, look to, forward to seeing you on Sunday here at Faith Church. Uh, we're going to look through our uh, a next core value of Connect, and we're going to talk about intentional relational discipleship and uh, how that is fleshed out in the life of our church and in our relationships. So uh, we will see you tomorrow, hopefully at Faith Church. If not, if you're listening and you're part of uh, Hope up in Allentown, uh, hopefully Ron's better tomorrow, uh, and hopefully next time. Uh, in two weeks, we're scheduled to, uh, two Saturdays from now, we're scheduled to have Ron back. And so uh, if uh, hopefully Ron's better and feeling okay and his tummy's better, uh, in two weeks uh, Ron should be back, and uh, we will tackle the uh, final episode of our discussion on mental illness. So until then, have a great weekend. Andrew, take us out with some music.